and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Amen, everybody. This is Brother Frank back with another episode of The Remnant Call and glad to be here with you. Um, just a special thanks to everyone that supports this program and uh, helps us up, lifts us up in prayer here. And, um, you know, The Remnant Call, it's not just about me. It's not not about any guest on here. It's It's about spreading the good news, and it's really about Him. And when I mean him, I mean Yeshua, the Lord Jesus Christ, and our Heavenly Father, also known as the Ancient of Days, Yahweh. It is about them, because if it's not for our Heavenly Father right now, sustaining everything that's going on in this entire universe, none of us would even exist. And to think that in the midst of such a rotten planet, he would send his son to die I don't have words for that kind of love, but I know what I've got to do. I've got to share it with people. And, folks, you've got to share it also. And it's important. It's very important to know that right now because you are living in the United States at a moment while we still have freedoms, even though we've seen them being taken away with the removal of our freedom of speech just happening. Listen, you don't have to agree with Alex Jones or not. I'm, he says stuff sometimes I think is absolutely crazy. And um, but the fact that they are now censoring him, they pulled him off of Facebook and Twitter and and uh, Instagram and YouTube and all these different places. It should be a a warning sign to anybody who speaks contrary to the machine is fair game in the hour that we are living in right now. And we need to be very, very aware of that because there's going to come a day when this stuff is going to all fall apart and we're going to be saying to ourselves, we should have done something more while we could have and while we have the time to do something. The worst thing to do is to get to the end and say, wow, I should have, could have, would have. Paul says you should get to the end and be like, I fought the good fight. You see, there's a difference between those that are in the battle and those that are simply calling themselves believers, sitting on the sidelines, talking a good game, but absolutely doing nothing about it. This message tonight is not for the weak and the faint at heart. Tonight's message that I'm going to bring you is for those who are seriously interested in moving from a life of preparing into being fully prepared. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you would bless this program tonight. Help us to understand the gravity of the hours by which we live in. Lord, I'm, I fear because people see a little prosperity in the economy. And everything's okay, yet the morality has not changed. No, it's gotten even worse. So, Lord, wake us up to the hour that we're in so that we will be prepared for what's going on, Lord. I pray that you just guide this show to your glory and honor because I ask it in a powerful name, the name of Yeshua, Jesus, 
the only one by whose name we can be saved. Amen. Folks, I just want to say a few quick words as we get into this show right now. I'm not going to mess around much, but I want to say thank you so much uh, for those who do follow us and who help us. And please, take time. Like us on Facebook. Like our YouTube channel, The Remnant Call. Uh, I haven't done – I post on Twitter, but I need to get things going. we got to get the news out there, folks. If you've noticed something about The Remnant Call, I haven't always had the plethora of all the rerun guests over and over again. I have a few, and, I, and I've got some more, and I, I need to work on a few more here and there. But I've tried to keep the show from being a compromise just to simply get ratings. This show is about telling the truth, and I don't agree with everything everybody says, but it's about keep to a solid word that you can stand and you can count on, and that you can run it against the word of God, and if you find something that isn't in there, then just cast it out and get rid of it. The truth is, you have to stand. It's you and the Lord. Judgment Day. It's not you and me. It's not you and your church, your pastor, your friend who brought to the Lord. It's not any of that. It's you and the Lord. Thank you so much for the subscriptions and keeping this program. We got to get the good news out. The, Jesus is coming, and He's coming soon, and, and we got to be prepared. You know, this program tonight is, is prepared for the last day, part two. Last November we had the part one of this, and it's time now to bring around the second part of this message. But I want to read something that I read in the last program that I think is very important that each one of us need to remember and need to think about. There's an old fable which tells of three apprentice devils coming to this earth to finish their apprenticeship. They were talking to Satan about their plans to tempt and to keep man from God. The first said, I will tell them that there is no God. Satan said, well, you know, that will not deceive many, for, for they know that there is a God. The second said, I will tell men that there is no hell. Satan said, well, you, you, will, deceive, you will hardly deceive anyone because people know that there is a hell, and it's, and it's the place you pay for the cost of living in sin. And so the third devil says to him, you know, I'm going to tell people that there is no hurry. You can continue like what you want. Satan turned to that third apprentice devil and said, go, and you will stop many, many from entering the kingdom of God. Now, you see, folks, that might be just a fable. But sadly enough, that is the truth and reality in the majorities of the United States churches that are going on here today. It's uh, do as you want. L listen, hey, man, Donald Trump's in office. Everything's good now. So what if homosexual marriage is on the rise? So what if, if pornography is out of control? So what if abortion is unchecked and unmeasured? So what if it's going on? It's okay, brother. Just believe in Jesus. Live as you want to live. Love everybody. And I'm telling you right now, folks, that is the lie that comes straight from the pit of hell. The lie that says you can do as you want to do because grace covers everything, it's called licentiousness. It's in the Word of God, and it means a license to sin. Because of grace, I can live how I want to live. And that's so false. Grace came so that sin would no longer have dominion over the believer. That's the fact. It's in the Word of God. Go read it. It's in Romans. Sin came, or grace came so sin would no longer control your life. 
Grace is not a license to sin. It is the power to live holy, and God is calling for holy living in his people. But complacency and, 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 and this, uh, I'll get it done tomorrow, and, and, and maybe I'll start praying then, or if I can just get another book, maybe that'll help my prayer life out. You know, they've done a study, and I, I can tell you, the best way to learn the Bible, and now sit down, because this might be revelation to a few people, but the best way to learn the Bible is to read it. I know that might sound profound. I know that I know that might sound really, really heavy and deep. But the truth is, the best way to learn the Bible is to actually read it. And then, when you don't understand it, you pray and you read it again. You pray and you read it again. And then one day, things begin to click and understand. But the whole "I'll get right later" with God syndrome, or you maybe heard the famous. Well, I still have that deathbed confession to fall back on disease, right? You've, you know, and people say, well, you know, they kind of joke around about it, but they live like they're going to have a deathbed confession. See, the Bible is very clear when it says, for their, their, the time has come, the judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? So what does this verse really mean? I believe what God is saying is that he wants his church to repent and get right. We are to be the leaders in preparation for the end times. God is not a hypocrite. He will judge his own house first. And he has warned us and even set us apart certain times just for repenting and getting right with him. Now, what do you say? What do you mean about that? Well, you see, God in the beginning, and we've talked a, a lot about signs and different times and seasons, and, and I think sometimes we, we forget. And I just want to give a quick refresher, because we just had a, a huge another blood-red moon that just happened, and we've had the blood-red moons the other year, and we, the, the tetrad and everything that's going on, and we're on the 70th year of Israel's return into the land. We've had all kinds of uh, amazing celestial uh, things that have happened. We, you know, we remember about, we learned about the whole Jupiter coming into, um, into Virgo, the virgin's womb uh, last year that, ha or this actually was uh, earlier last year. Yes. When that happened. And so God has been yelling from the heavens and some people think, well, Frank, that's kind of silly stuff. Isn't the stars and all that stuff. Isn't that for astrology? It is if you're a pagan. But the truth is, God declares his glory in the heavens, if you've forgotten that. The Bible even talks about that those who don't even know the Lord, that the creation itself is a testimony unto them. What is he talking about? Well, he's talking about, it goes back into Genesis. And Genesis said, and God said, let there be light in the firmament of heaven to divide, this is Genesis 1.14, to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Now, it's interesting that the very first thing God says about these, he says that these, that these signs, that, that these lights that he put in the heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars, he said first and foremost, before anything else, he says, let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Now, you usually use the sun to mark your days. 
Um, you usually know the moon, the sun is day, the moon is night, just in general. And, and you know that when the moon, the sun gets a little lower in the sky, you know that the seasons are changing because the sun's not up as long. We're coming into the fall, into the winter. Now it's going back up again. It's coming into the springtime. But God said that they, before anything else that these are to mark days and years. They are to be for signs and for seasons. And that word for seasons means moed. It is God's holy days that he's talking about. God set up these signs and these symbols in there so he could let us know when things were about to happen. You remember when Jesus came the first time, right? This, now this prophecy goes all the way back into Deuteronomy. All right. And, and it talks actually this prophecy goes back in uh, to a time, you know, and not only in Deuteronomy, but it was known about over in the land where Daniel was currently at when he was in his captivity. And that is Babylon. And there talks about a star that was going to rise up out of Judah. Now, the interesting thing is the Lord used a star in the heavens to represent the birth of the king who was coming to this earth. And so in the Bible, we see all these times of God using these things as signs of what's going on. And yet today, we've seen signs like we have never seen in our modern day history repeated over and over. And we ignore them like nothing is going on. Folks, many times the blood moon tetras and everything, if you looked at the history, the people that did a lot of research, they happened just a few years right before something significant happened. God's beating on the door and saying, hey, I'm trying to warn everybody there is some serious stuff coming right now. I've showed you the signs in the heavens. I've showed them in the stars. I've showed them in Israel returning to the land. I've showed them with the famines, the pestilence, the earthquakes, the tornadoes, the, the earth, you know, all these things, the wars, the, and all over the place. And, folks, I've talked about this to begin because Matthew 24, remember, don't forget this. It starts out when you shall hear, and it ends when you shall see. And it talks about when you shall see all these things happening at once. Well, folks, we're seeing these things all happen at once because 2,000 years ago when Jesus spoke those words, he could, they could not understand what it meant to see all the things at once. They didn't have the technology. They could only hear of wars and rumors of wars. That's why the end of Matthew 24 talks about when you shall see these things come. And now we have seen all this stuff come. We've seen the great falling away that the word talks about, the apostasy that's happening right now. The truth, the sign of Lot. We see the homosexuality and the utter sexual depravity in this, in this country that's going on right now. The days of Noah. All these things are coming to pass, and people are sitting around thinking, well, I, I'll just maybe listen to another end-time program, but I'm not going to do anything about my walk with Christ, and I'm not going to share this good news with anybody, but I'll keep myself maybe informed by listening to some programs, but I'll sit around my house and do nothing. And the sad state of affairs is that's what the majority of the church is doing. They like a little knowledge, but Lord help us if we do anything about it. God is calling us out of the pews and into action. He's calling us out of our homes and into the streets to start sharing the good news with people. The sad thing about it is, and folks, I don't, I'm not trying to get hard on you right now. 
But the sad thing about it is many who call themselves the believers have never led a single person to the Lord. And, and you don't understand what it's like to truly live until you see somebody give their life to the Lord. See, I, like I shared a few months ago on this program, actually it wasn't that long ago, and I, we were doing the youth retreat, and, and that, you know, we did a call, and people came forward, and I got privileged to go to that one, one girl's baptism after and see her, and I remember when she just hugged me, and she just said, all I want to do is be forgiven. And that God would allow me to simply be there, with his, in presence with his spirit as he was working on those young people to see that young lady come to give her life to the Lord. That's why we live. That's why we do this. It's about giving our lives to Jesus. We need to get out there and share this good news. See, because it's time to move from preparing to being prepared, because when you're prepared, you're useful. You see, we, we, I understand, we, we got to go through preparation, and everybody has to do that. It's, you do it in everything you go into, whether it's work, whether it's the military, uh, whether it's, it doesn't matter what you do. We all have to prepare. But there comes a point in time where your preparation needs to now pay off. Okay, it needs to pay off because we need to get out there and start doing something for the Lord. It's time for us to make a change in the way we are living. I'm telling you right now, I will make a proposition to you that I'm telling you, if you will try out, may just change your life like nothing you've ever tried. If you will actually get out there and tell somebody about the Lord, about the coming of Jesus, share the good news, help somebody out, do something like that, even before you feel that you're prepared to do it, you might be shocked in how your life and your walk get strengthened with the Lord. Jesus sent his disciples out while they were still an absolute disaster. And yet some people have had more training than the disciples ever, and they yet have done anything for the Lord. Now, I understand those who are bedridden, those who are older and can't go out, but you can pray. For those who cannot physically share, you can pray. Because strong, if you can just pray for those that are on the front line, because you've got to have the rear support for the front line to be successful. God is asking us tonight, are we listening and are we awake? Are we listening and are we awake? You see, God is a supernatural God. Let's just, we just know that for a fact. The Bible is supernatural. Uh, everything he does is supernatural. And I believe with all my heart he is doing supernatural things right now to wake up his church. But sadly enough, many of them in the church feel that they can just somehow keep going to church and not making a single change in their lives. Unfortunately, the Lord has some news for that. It's laziness. 
It's unprofitable. It's the servant who took his talent and buried it in the ground instead of sharing it. And the Lord said he will take that talent away and he will give it to another. Because God asks what's been shared with you to share with others. And so we're sitting here and and we're looking at what's going on in this hour and we're seeing all the things that are that are transpiring right now. And folks, to, to even get involved in the political realm right now, it is such a roller coaster of ups and downs every single day. And on, honestly, the attacks on the president are unprecedented. And, and, and not that I feel he's a saint or anything by any chance, but it's unprecedented. And it goes to show you that no matter who is in office from this point forward, it doesn't matter. If you're not a flaming liberal in, in, in accepting every single thing out there, you will be attacked relentlessly. They are beating the saints down. And so you see these things going on and you feel in your soul this anxiety that's going there. And then you get the pressures from work and the pressures from children and the pressures from your spouse and the pressures from this world. And you start to look at yourself and you begin to feel so inept for what's going on. And so you can you kind of choose this path. I can either go down the pity party and follow fall into my, you know, well of despair, or I can go maybe into church and pretend like it doesn't happen. And everything's okay, and I'll have my verse a day, keeps the devil away. Or you can make a change in your life and move from preparing and finally say, you know what, I'm ready to now get prepared. I remember I was praying with a friend, and I remember praying, God, I don't want to just be preparing. I want to be prepared. See, I want to come to a point in my life, and I know you want to come a point in your life, that you are completely dead to the flesh and alive unto Christ, fully living in the Spirit. That doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means that you know, and that I know, and have the confidence that no matter what happens, I will be able to face it knowing that he who is with me is greater than he who is in the world. And you know that no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper because you don't belong to the world anymore. You belong to Christ. And if you can move from preparing into prepared, now you can be used for the battle. And when you get into the battle, folks, you don't worry about sin and you don't struggle against things you shouldn't be because when you're in the fight winning souls, you have to pray and ask God to sustain you along the way. But it's when you get idle, things begin to fall apart. Because you do nothing but sit around, and when you sit around, the devil comes around, and he reminds you of all your failures and everything you've done, and you either choose to ignore or fall into a deep pit of despair. I remember the Lord said, he promised to never leave us nor forsake us, and that he would fight for us, coming back one day very soon. But unfortunately, I feel so many people have forgotten that. But I believe God wants us to know it. I believe God wants us to know that we have the complete confidence in Him to face whatever comes our way. Yes, men's hearts will fail them from fear of what's coming, but those who tap into the perfect love shall have no fear. You see, Jude addressed it very poignantly in the, in, in the Word of God. 
Because Jude warned and told and admonished us over and over. He said, listen, first and foremost, I want you to tend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Jude wanted the people of God to know that they needed to contend for that faith that was once delivered to the saints. What he's trying to say is stop thinking the first century church believer's faith is something supernatural that cannot be had. Yes, it is supernatural faith because God gives it, but it's something that you and I can have and walk in. If he would, the Lord would not have said it through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in, in his servant Jude. When he said, contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. See, because Jude knew that the only way you are going to be able to stand and be fully prepared in these last days, that if you seek after that kind of faith that was once delivered to the saints, and don't try to fight it on your own. Too many people listening to this show have been trying to fight their addictions, their problems, their, their failures on their own strength, and they over and over and over again, and they start to wonder themselves, you've been so many years in your walk, you feel worse than you're ever, and you're thinking, I'll never get free from this. And God said, why are you trying to battle your sin directly? Being prepared for the last days is taking the sin away from the fight against your sin directly, and it's putting your focus completely on the Lord. I, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all things shall be added unto you. God doesn't say, you know, fight your sin, struggle against your addiction, do all that, and then once you get that cleared up, then come to me. You know, he says, I want you to seek me with all your heart, and then I will add everything, meaning God will take care of you. In the book of Jeremiah, God says, I will heal your backslidings. Yet you keep trying to do it, and you live in a constant state of preparedness, never actually being prepared. Because battle is being fought incorrectly. It's not your fight. We seek the Lord. He overcomes the sin. It's so simple. If you could get a hold of it, it will change your life. And that's why Jude was trying to tell us of what was going on, because he said, he said this is what you've got to do. There's no other way to fight it. He continues on in the book. He says, you know, there's people, they're coming in, these ungodly men, They've crept in of unawares. They're, they're turning the grace of God into lasciviousness or licentiousness. That's what's happening today. Jude's book is in times. And he says these people who are absolutely, uh, you know, contrary to God, they come in, they're looking good, they're trying to act great, but the truth is, these men, they, kept, they crept in unawares, and before you know it, they have turned God's grace into lasciviousness, or the same word as licentiousness, meaning you can do whatever you want, call yourself a believer, you're fine, you live how you want to live, and it will be okay. And the fact, the truth about that is, that is a lie, and Jude says you cannot combat that. You've got to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. You see, the problem we're dealing with, and Jude hits it a little bit deeper, because he goes into it, he says, you know what? He begins to put people in remembrance of all the things that had happened, how God had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, how the angels that fell, they were reserved into darkness. But he says, this, which I feel is very interesting, 
He says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and perish in the gainsaying of Korah. Those three issues are some of the most common problems that are going on right now in those who call themselves believers. I'm telling you, I get enough of the book. It blows your mind because every time you go through, you can find more stuff. It will continually grow in the amount of knowledge that comes out of this book. But the problem is, is that he says they've gone in the way of Cain. And I want to talk to you very much about being prepared for the last days versus continuing to prepare. See, because going in the way of Cain is a big problem because Cain thought it was okay that he could bring his own sacrifice instead of the sacrifice that the Lord had called for. See, let me, let me say it this way. A lot of people out there are worshiping the Lord and doing what they feel that is right in their own eyes and not what God asked them to do. You see, you can continue to, to tease yourself and to, to trick yourself and to create this Burger King style of, of, of holiness by doing what you want to do. Because, uh, well, folks, I understand, you know, we're not saved by works, but Jesus said, those who love me, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And those who don't love him, he says they are liars that don't keep his commands. See, the Lord told us certain instructions that we're supposed to do. And many people have con you know, conjured this own style of worship up or, or own style of following the Lord, thinking that it's okay. You know, my, my, the one I harp on the most and just drives me nuts is those who call themselves believers and think it's okay to cuss when they're around the God that drives crazy because they think it's all right to bless the Lord with hallelujahs and men's in church and to come out and curse because they're around the fellows and that's okay. That is their own doctrine of what it's like. The Bible says you cannot curse and bless from the same well. You have actually deceived yourself. And so where God is not rigid and mean and trying to get you to work your way into heaven, he's saying, follow me because my ways are right. And, you'll do, you know, it's interesting, just talking to my father-in-law up here, it's very simple. If you eat the way God tells you to eat in his word, you'll be a lot healthier. You'll live longer. God tells us what to eat and what not to eat. But people go on and do whatever they want to do. Because grace lets me do everything, even though the science literally absolutely backs everything that God says to do. Yet many of us say, I'm going to do what I want to do, brother. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to, to harp too much, but folks, Judah's very specific. Too many people have gone in the way of Cain. They're trying to bring their own sacrifice to the Lord instead of doing what God asked you to do. And if you don't know what God asked you to do, then open the Bible up, read it, and do what it says. It's very simple. Read the whole thing so you can get the whole context. Don't just take one verse out of context. Read the whole Bible, and God will reveal it to you. But too many people are going in the way of Cain, and it's very, very destruction. But there's also the Balaam syndrome. And the Balaam syndrome is running 
rampant, not only on the internet and all these false programs that are out there by everybody who's, a, you know, Balaam was a prophet, prophet, right? And so we've got it, though, in the church where everybody's got a word of God, a word of knowledge, a word of something. Listen, folks, I believe in prophecy. I believe in a word of knowledge. I believe God gives revelation. But their revelation is to promote their ministries. Their revelations and their word for God is to promote themselves. And the sad thing is, is I don't even know if there's, Balaam, at least, he didn't curse Israel. But it said that there was madness. See, Balaam's madness was that even though he knew it wasn't right, he kept trying to do it over and over and over again. He kept trying to, but he couldn't. And you know what, though? Eventually he did actually thwart the people of God because he told them, he said, listen, if you really want to mess them up, go get your daughters and marry them to them. Marry to the children of Israel. Folks, be careful with your children when marrying non-believers. I know they have the right to make their own choice, but folks, pray God can send them a right one in there. And if they didn't, then we just pray for them anyways, because we ultimately, they have their own choice. But God knows what it's like to be unequally yoked with those who do not believe. And so the way of Balaam is this madness that's going on in churches today of doing things that are ridiculous and thinking we're going to get a blessing from God. And, and it's going rampant today, and you see it in church, because we have made, in so many churches, music and dance and, and all this stuff of flannel and around. It is the majority of the service. I remember one time some people invited me to go to church with them. This was years ago. I said, okay, I'll go to church with you. You know, I'll come to me, I'll go with you. So I went to church with them. They took me to their church. And, man, they sang, and they sang, and they sang, and they sang, and they sang. I mean, I, it was worse than being on the drill field in the Marines how long I had to stand up about. So my legs were ready to go like jello. And finally, after what seemed like an eternity, it seemed like the distance from Exodus or Genesis to Revelation that was going on. And finally, they sit down and the pastor stands up and gives this little bread come rinky dinky message from the Lord and calls it church. And, I, and people are standing up like, hallelujah. I'm thinking, where is the word of God in this hour? This is not what we call church. This is entertainment. And unfortunately, too many people are involved in it, and they're calling it holy, and they're calling it good. And the, and the ways of Balaam are running all over. But the last one he talked about there was Korah, the rebellion of Korah. If you don't remember, the rebellion of Korah was when, see, you know, there was the Levitical uh, tribe of Levites. They were like kind of like the deacons. If to say it in a, in a modern-day term, of the Old Testament. And they took care of the day-to-day -day church services, the things that went on around the temple, all that stuff. But when it came to actually ministering of sacrifices and going into the holy place, that was only for the, leave, for the, excuse me, for the priests, for those who came from Aaron. And so Korah was not content with his duties, and the God gave him so much more. He wanted the priesthood, which he was not called to do he wasn't satisfied with what god gave him 
So he went, he wanted to go in there and he challenged him, Moses there. And he was, Moses was pleading with him, Corey, you don't want this stuff, you know, but he wanted what Aaron had. And so finally they put the two rods in there. And if you remember overnight, Aaron's rod butted and, and the other one didn't. And, and we heard on one program a long time ago about Aaron's rod, maybe you know, like a symbol, it butted through the night, like the remnant of God budding through the darkest hours of history. And so we see here that Moses's rod butted and uh, Aaron's rod, excuse me, budded, and, and it showed that God would, had chosen Aaron, and sure enough, Korah, the ground came and, swell, and swallowed them up. The reason Jude is mentioning this, because this is end times, is there's a lot of people out there calling themselves into positions that God has never called them into. You don't hear, I'm never going to call myself a prophet. I'm not a prophet. You've not heard myself call myself any special title. I'm Brother Frank. That's all that I am. Now, if God had called me maybe to something, that would be different. But I've got to be careful in what I say. But so many people out there are calling themselves into positions that God has not called them to. And the only way you are going to be able to tell is by contending for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Reading the word of God, seeking the Lord with all his heart, or you too and myself can become dis. Uh, disenfranchised from reality and enchanted by these people calling themselves titles that they are not called to be. See, I understand because many of you have not only shared my struggles through the years, but you have shared your struggles with me, and I appreciate that. And thank you for the opportunity to pray for that. But if you haven't noticed... People seem to be struggling more than ever lately. Whether it's financial struggles, whether it's health struggles, emotional struggles, feeling of guilt, feeling of unworthiness, feeling that maybe God doesn't care anymore. There is more struggles going on. There are more disorders going on right now. There are more absolute problems going on and medications to treat these disorders than ever before that has ever been in, in the history of this world. We are in an emotional, absolute disorder because of all the influence of what's going on from the outside world. And I, I'm telling you, I've been in touch with many people, not only in this country, but in other countries. And universally, God's church is under attack right now, harder than ever. Have you heard about the recent crackdown in China? Like it wasn't bad enough before? It's even worse now. It's even harder now. But people are still crying out, and they're still sharing the good news, even though it cost them their lives. And no matter what happens to the Chinese church, they continue to explode in growth. You see, the devil knows that his time is short, and he's on the attack. He's looking at the confusion in society where people don't even understand who they are, and, and they, don't, they don't even know where they come from, a lot of them anymore. And everything's going crazy because they've been taught in society that they just came from some monkey and that their life really doesn't have any value. Yet they went to church knowing that God, uh, raised, you know, God was the creator. But this confusion sets in because the science world seems to want to contradict. And so we've got all this wild wackiness running around to where it's even infiltrated the churches today and it's being preached from the pulpit. 
Yes, in many churches, it's perfectly okay to believe in evolution and creation all at the same time. And many wonder why, God, we're going through this. Why all the trials? Why haven't we gotten healed yet? Why, Lord, have I been suffering all these things going on, Lord, because many right now feel like you cannot reach the part that I've been talking about tonight, and that's moving from preparing to being prepared. A. Parnell Bailey once had visited an orange grove where an irrigation pump had broken down. The season was unusually dry, and some of the trees were beginning to die for lack of water. The man living or giving the tour then took Bailey to his own orchard where irrigation was used sparingly. These trees could go without rain for another two weeks, he told Parnell Bailey. You see, when they were young, I frequently kept water from them. This hardship caused them to send their roots deeper into the soil in search of moisture. Now mine are the deepest rooted trees in the area, while others are being scorched by the sun. These are finding moisture at greater depth. You see, by simply putting some trials on these trees, their roots were forced to go deeper. See, so I want to ask you right now, are you letting your roots grow deeper? Are you getting the big picture that the trials and sometimes the hardship that we go through it's like processing gold. You've got to heat that temperature up really hot to get rid of the impurities. And when you heat it up hot in that gold, that dross will begin to come up to the top where they can just skim it off and have nothing but the pure and the fine gold. See, folks, God wants us to move to being prepared. God wants us to stand strong in these last days. And he wants us to be useful because the gospel still hasn't reached everybody, and God needs people who are willing to share. And I'll tell you what, when everything falls apart, God is looking for those who are willing to stand up and share with the people. Listen, I know it's going crazy, but I know a person who can help, and his name is Jesus. God is not satisfied with simply copper or brass or silver. He wants gold in your life. See, he's not satisfied with you just knowing that it's the last days. He wants you to be prepared. And the preparation he's talking about is not in your flesh. It's not in your 100 cans of tuna fish that are stored away. It's not in your 500 gallons of water you've got stashed away, which I'm not against any of that preparation. Don't get me wrong. But it's not in that that's going to prepare you for the last days. It's about dying to self and completely surrendering everything unto Christ so that you can be useful in his kingdom to win souls as the end, this whole entire age comes to a final close. God not only wants us in preparation, but he wants us fully prepared. And the trials that we have been enduring are sending those spiritual roots deeper and deeper into our life with Christ. So how do we respond in this hour? Knowing that everything is in complete shambles in this world. Folks, just because you got a raise at work doesn't mean things are not 
bad. They're really bad. What do we do? How do we respond? What do we do to stand in these dark days to be a bright light? Well, the first thing we got to do is we got to pray. And we got to ask God what he wants. I know you've been instructing the Lord for a long time. I know you tell him all the time what you need done. But it's time to begin to start asking God what he would have us to do. Find a prayer partner. Find somebody for accountability. I know some of you are very recluse and you don't like to get out. But folks, take a chance. Reach out. Somebody will stand and pray. I know. If you are sincere, God has other people that can be there. Now, maybe God has you alone for a season. I understand that. But it's okay to have an accountability partner, someone to pray with. Learn the discipline of fasting. Cut back. Take some time. Fast and pray. That's what God said to do. You know, they kept getting on Jesus' disciples, saying, why don't your disciples fast? Huh? Well, and he says, can they fast when they're with the bridegroom? No, but there's coming a day when the bridegroom shall be taken away, and then they shall fast. The bridegroom, Jesus, was taken away, and he's calling us to fast and pray and seek him with all of our heart. Don't fear repentance, folks. Don't fear allowing God to dig deep into your heart. Don't fear it. Allow him to get in there. Some of us have had some real trauma in our lives, and we're still carrying that baggage around today. And we got to let go so God can get in. See, if, if you need to talk to someone, you know, go reach out. If you need to share, you know, email me. I'm, I mean, I'll do my best. Sometimes it'll take a few days to get back. Sometimes I can get back immediately. But I will respond back to you. Eventually, I will. But the truth is, is that God wants us to do whatever it takes to allow him to come in and to change our hearts. Stop trying to carry your burden alone. God never asked you to carry it alone. He said first and foremost that we are to lay him up upon him and take upon his yoke. His burden is light. But we are to suffer and cry with each other, just like we rejoice with each other. You're not an island in this walk. There are, as even Elijah thought, he was the only one. And the Lord said, Elijah, there's 7,000 more that haven't bowed their knee. Folks, there's other people out there just like you. Be careful of what we listen to, even in the realms of music. Get the stumbling blocks out of your life. If you have problems with addiction, figure out what is the root cause of that. Take some time, look it up, figure it out, and get rid of it. If you can't stay ever off of something, your computer, then put your computer aside. There's programs on there. There's accountability stuff you can do out there. There's no reason you can't shut it down and do something out. Get away. Find a hobby. Get outside. Go do, get in a canoe and just start paddling, but get away and allow God to have some time with you. 
And the last one, and I've shared this before, and this is a hard one, but it is a real game changer. And I'm speaking this one to myself. Take the 30-day challenge. You might ask, what's the 30-day challenge? The 30-day challenge is this, that I will not say anything mean or hateful about or to anybody for 30 days. I will keep my words nice and gentle, even against those who deserve it. I will watch what I say. Folks, it will be the hardest and most rewarding challenge because many of you think maybe, oh, I don't have no problem. Take it on. I dare you. Take it on. Watch what happens when you really examine everything that comes in and out of your mouth. And I'll tell you what. I love that song, Blessed Assurance. Jesus is mine. When you start to pray, listen to godly music, stop carrying those burdens alone and don't fear repentance and watch what you say about other people. That blessed assurance will come into your life knowing truly that Jesus is mine. You see, folks, the Lord offered a free gift of salvation to each one of us. And he wants us to live in that fullness But when we get off track, when we get sideways, when we get to doing other things, that assurance, one, goes away, and doubt and compromise comes into our lives. See, the most important part of all this preparation to be prepared so that we can be effective, useful soldiers in God's army of sharing the good news that Jesus is coming back. You can do all kinds of stuff, but the truth is, if you're not sharing, you're not caring. I'm going to close with this word from Charles Spurgeon. This is what he said. If sinners will be damned, at least, let's, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let not one go there unwarned and unprayed for. We're letting too many people go without sharing the good news. This past week was a tough week for my family. Not so much for me, but for some of those that are close. I had a step-grandfather that passed away. A man who, he was as mean as they came. And I know none of you know who he is. But my whole my whole life growing up after my mother was remarried from a young age, I watched my stepdad just want to get the approval from his father that he loved him. 
and he cared for him. That's all he wanted. But he never could get it. And when he passed away, even his brother said, you know, he was going through a crisis because he said, I, my father never told me that he loved me. And I never told him that I loved him. And all my stepdad ever wanted was to be loved. And I never had much problem, you know, at times saying I love you. And my mother was always loving. My biological father, my dad, he's my, my best friend. Uh, he he, uh, he loved me and told me he loved me all the time and, and my children and everything. And that was okay. But with my stepfather, who I loved... Just as much as my own father, even though my earthly father is my best friend in this earth from a male standpoint, I love my stepfather as much because he taught me how to be a man. And to see the brokenness of his heart because he just wanted to be loved. Well, at the end of that funeral... You know, through the years, I wanted to die. Maybe I told him once. I don't remember. I never remember a real exchange from him. But I finally said, this is enough. And I went up, and I hugged him. And I said, I love you. And he said, I love you too. And that one moment in time was worth all those years of never hearing it to finally knew he did, but he didn't know how to express himself. And a lot of you have suffered the same things. And here your Heavenly Father is saying, "Don't. that's not who I am. I love you. God wants to be your husband, your spouse, your friend, your God. He loves you. So much that he sent his only begotten son. While you were yet a sinner, Christ died, willing to pay the price because he felt that the prize that was laid up before him was worth it. Your Father in heaven loves you. And he's trying to do everything in this world to make sure you don't miss out on the kingdom. It's time to move from preparing to being prepared. And how do you know you're prepared? You'll know you're prepared when you don't worry for this life anymore. Because you are sold out to Christ. It doesn't mean you're perfect. doesn't mean you won't mess up. doesn't mean you won't have enough. But you are confident that God can get you through the darkest hours on this earth because he sent his son to die with you and his word will not return back void. And if he sent his son to die with you, he said he's coming back to take vengeance on all those who shall hurt you and that you can stand fast and you can stand confident because he promised to never leave you nor forsake you. And even though maybe your earthly father or your earthly mother didn't love you, God says he loves you and he showed it in his son and he's asking you to come home tonight. Won't you answer the call? This is Brother Frank from the Remnant Call saying good night and shalom.